Well, how many people have been enjoying this series on the Holy Spirit? Pastor is continuing on the Holy Spirit. At this time, let's welcome our lead pastor, Pastor Joe Source, as he brings us the word. I'm trusting God I'm going to be able to bring the word because my, lab, my uh, what do you call, iPad just locked me out of my notes. That's all right. We'll get there. Amen, because we're continuing talking about the Holy Spirit and the direction we're going to go in tonight, in Jesus' name. As soon as Brian figures out how to get my notes. Now, the direction we're going to go in tonight is what I want to propose to us is that, thank you. Yay, Brian. That we would have much more appreciation for the Holy Spirit if we really truly understood what it costs Jesus for us to be made qualified to receive the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit, for those of you that, that do read your Bibles and maybe you're students of the Bible, we understand that there's a kind of a succession. You know, God the Father sends Jesus to the earth. Jesus comes and accomplishes his mission here to, uh, his, through his death, burial, and resurrection. He purchased salvation for us. And so we come into salvation, and then having come into salvation, we now step into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's like God handed us Jesus. Jesus hands us the Holy Spirit. And so um, unfortunately sometimes... Uh, as Christians, sometimes we, uh, I like it better up here, sometimes we pay so much attention to Jesus, and I'm not saying that we should not, but Jesus handed everything off to two entities when he left this earth. Number one, the church. Number two, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the administrator over the church. So we as the church, and turn to somebody and say, you're the church, because you realize the church is not this building, right? Because we say sometimes, well, I'm going to church. And really, what we're really saying is that we're going to a building to gather together with the rest of the church. And so um, where was I going with that? So, so if you're a member of the church, not New Beginnings, but the church universal, yet do not have a intimate, interactive, ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're probably going to go through life feeling, even though you're saved, even though you're going to heaven, but while you're here on the earth, you're going to have that sense on the inside of not being complete, not feeling fulfilled, not accomplishing things. Plus, you're not really going to be hearing because, you see, the way that we receive from Jesus in heaven uh, to ourselves is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in our spirit communicates with us. So, but if we turn a deaf ear to the Holy Spirit, then we may be walking around on earth here bumping into things. You know what I'm saying? Not, not you know, like on a roller coaster, up one down, you know, up one minute, down the next, and all over the place and sideways. And, and honestly, that can be nauseating. Yeah. So, so we need to, and this is why we've been spending so much time on Wednesday nights, we need to develop our relationship with the Holy Spirit not just for the fact of saying, okay, well, the Holy Spirit lives in me. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. That's wonderful. And you see, 
maybe we understand it this way, and I'm doing a little bit of review here for those of you that are, are new with us tonight. Um, understand this, salvation prepares us for heaven, but it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that prepares us for earth. You remember Jesus said to the disciples, hey, don't go, I'm paraphrasing here, don't leave this place until you receive the promise of my Father. And he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the disciples were born again. The Holy Spirit was in them, right? Because you, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit's living inside you. We're going to spend a lot of time on that tonight because still there's some Christians that don't really understand the difference between the Holy Spirit within and the Holy Spirit upon, okay? It's, it's, it's a different uh, experience altogether, okay? Um, so when we're born again, that qualifies us to go to the next stage in our relationship with God. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? All right, so let, let's go. Let, let's, let's continue. All right, so what I want to present to you tonight, again, is to let's concentrate a little bit on what it costs Jesus for the Holy Spirit to be able to come into our lives. Okay, we realize that he suffered. We realize he died a horrific death. Uh, but we also have to understand that his suffering did not stop here when he said on the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and then he expired. That was the physical part of his suffering. But, but we know that he went into Hades. He went into the place that we call hell and, and suffered. And through that, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from Satan. So he not only suffered physically in the body, but he also suffered spiritually because he had to experience what it was like to be separated from God the Father. Now, you and I can't even fathom that because we're born again. Amen? Amen. So we're born again. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Salvation is ours. This experience that we have on earth, people say, well, it's hell on earth. Well, yeah, but for the Christian, this is as much hell as we're ever going to see. Amen. This is the closest to hell we're ever going to come. Okay, unfortunately for the person who rejects Christ, this is as close as to heaven they're ever going to come. Amen. And this is really a poor substitute. So, so again, come back to that place of understanding what it costs Jesus and the exchange that had to take place where he took upon himself all of our sin so that we could take upon ourselves all of his righteousness. Amen. And it's only because of the blood of Jesus that you and I are in a good position with the Father, a position of right standing, and that's what qualifies us to experience that secondary experience with the Holy Ghost that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I have an agenda. I'm going to be real honest with you. You know, how many of you, uh, we sit at home sometimes and I look at television and commercials come on and I go, I don't, what, what, what are they even selling? Everything has an agenda. You notice that? Every TV program has an agenda. You can spot it right away. Well, I'm going to be real honest, which I have an agenda. And my agenda is that New Beginnings Church, whether it's in, whether, whether the congregation's in Brick, whether it's, you know, congregation in Wall, whether it's a congregation in Bayville, as many people as possible receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit Amen. with all the supernatural gifts that are attached to that. Why? We're living in a crazy world. You need to have the power of God in operation in your life more now than ever. You listening to me? Well, you know, years ago when I first got born again, you know, 37 years ago, almost 38 years ago this spring, 
you know, there was a lot of like, I didn't know that there were people that were born again that weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be real honest with you. I came from a Catholic background, not really practicing, especially like the 10 years before I got saved, but that's all I knew was a Catholic background. And I went from that to a church that preached the word of faith, okay, faith in, the, faith in God, standing on the word of God, and the power of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit. I thought everybody was born again, spoke in tongues. I thought everybody was born again. You got born again, you got baptized in the Holy Spirit, you got baptized in water. I thought everybody, when I found out that there were people, and I came across Christians, like, oh, I heard you got born again. Yeah, what church you go to? And I told the church, and you go, oh. Oh, I said, well, what church you go? We go to, and, and don't, um, don't get offended, anyone. Or we go to a Baptist church, or we go to Episcopalian church. Or go to I, I didn't even know what those terms meant. I thought if you, were, if you weren't Catholic, you were born again. <laughs> like, my wife was raised Lutheran, and at least that's heading in the right direction. But even her parents, when I first, came, the first, when I first got born again, I was so excited to, we went to visit her mom and dad and have dinner one Sunday. And I walked in the house and I said, hey, guess what? I got born again. And they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, you know, like Martin Luther. And they're like, I don't have a clue. I'm going like Martin Luther. Same thing happened to Martin Luther. You know, he, he realized that you couldn't be, you know, you had to be justified by faith. They had no clue what I was talking about. So because, you know, it was 500 years ago. So um, my goal and this is not just because it's been my experience. It's because I realize one thing. If you took a person and you, you put them on a desert island by themselves with a Bible, theoretically, they should come to the same conclusion that the early church came to. Amen. You get born again, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you get baptized in water. Or you get born again, baptized in water, and then baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's the way it's supposed to be. Okay. Um, if your experience and what you were raised in is different, I'm challenging you to go study the scriptures without any stained glass windows, just, just you and God, and go read the scriptures, and especially in the book of Acts, and you'll find out. Every person in the book of Acts got born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized in water. It's the way it's supposed to be. It was only after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of, of the church departing from the word of God that everybody came with their own belief system. Well, I don't know. I believe it. Maybe those things are not for today. No, they're for today. Well, Pastor, you know, I've, I've listened to teachings, and, and I understand that, you know, a lot of these supernatural gifts stop with the last apostle. Well, nobody told God that it stopped with the last. It's the only problem. Nobody told God that it stopped with the last apostle. And here's always my argument. And even this past weekend, if you were here this weekend, we told about uh, finances, Okay. If it wasn't God's will for us to prosper, why would he give us so many principles and so much instruction about how to prosper and then tell us what to do with that prosperity to make sure that we take care of the needy, we take care of the homeless, we take care of those who, who, who need clothes, we take care of people, okay? So the same thing with this as we're going into uh, talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. If, if it wasn't for today, then why would God inspire the Apostle Paul to write so much about the gifts of the Spirit? Why would we be told and shown over and over again in the book of Acts that this is the pattern? You get born again, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get baptized in water. You see where I'm going with this? 
if we have all that instruction, it means that we're supposed to carry on with that. I use this example over the weekend. You notice in the New Testament, we don't have any instructions on how to build an ark. Why? We don't have to build an ark. So there's no reason for those instructions to follow us into the New Testament. It, it was for the time that it was supposed to be available to mankind. Yeah, You notice in the New Testament, we don't have a lot of instructions on how to make sacrifices and go into the temple and what time I need to go and what incense I need to burn. Why? We, do, we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? So it's a really good way for you to interpret the scriptures as it pertains to the season of life that we're in now. Amen? Amen. All right. So here, let me throw something at you because you see this whole idea about Jesus having to die on the cross, suffer, shed his blood, be buried, resurrected, ascended to heaven, and then the Holy Spirit comes. That's not new to the New Testament. You know Jesus is in the Old Testament too, right? So let me bring you somewhere, because maybe if we look at the example in the Old Testament that God was using to point the people to the future, maybe it'll give us a little clearer idea of this relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go to a uh, book of the Bible that you probably read all the time. You probably read it this morning. Leviticus chapter 8. Now, what we're going to read is what took place on the day that Moses' brother Aaron and his sons were to be consecrated to the position of high priest, okay? The ritual that would take place involves uh, the slaughtering of two rams, two male sheep, okay? The first one is killed as a sacrifice for the sins of God's people. The second one was killed for the consecration of them as priests. Okay, so you got this? So it's a ritual. It's, it's a uh, ceremony that's going to take place where two animals are going to ki- be killed. Their blood's going to be shed. And let's see what it tells us in Leviticus chapter 8, okay? We got it up there? Yeah. Leviticus 8, chap- chapter 8, verse 22. And he, Moses, brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram And Moses killed it and took some of the blood, look at this now, and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. So we've got blood on the ear, blood on the thumb, blood on the big toe, all on the right side. Okay, you got that? Okay. Now, skip down to verse 30. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil, and this is a very special oil, that was put together with something that was, it's not something you could just go somewhere and buy. It's not something that you, you could just go to an olive tree and squeeze the olives. No, this was olive oil mixed with certain spices. And another time we could teach on this. And every one of those components represented a, a facet of God's nature, okay? So we've got, what do we got going on on, on, the, on their ear first? What, what do we got? Blood. Say Blood. Because you understand this, and the things of God, the blood always comes first. Always comes first, okay? So after they took the blood, they put it on his right ear, on his thumb and right hand, big toe his right foot. Then, verse 30, then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood, which was on the altar, and sprinkled it on Aaron and on his garments. So we've got blood on the ear, blood on the thumb, blood on the big toe, oil, which represents who? 
Say it nice and loud. The oil represents who? Holy Spirit. So, so it's sprinkled on their garments and the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated Aaron, his garments, his sons, and the garments of his sons with them. What do we have here? We have the high priest. And Jesus is our high priest. So, so do you see where we're going here? That sacrificed ram is symbolic of the Lord Jesus. His blood qualifies us to receive salvation. Salvation qualifies us to receive the Holy Spirit. Say this with me. First the blood, then the oil. First the blood, then the oil. So first salvation and then the Holy Spirit. You got, you got this? All right. So John, let's go to John chapter 7. Bible study tonight, right, folks? Yes. So we're going to be in the Word, yes? yes? All right. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last greatest day of the festival, which this is the Feast of Tabernacles, if you're interested in that, and there's a lot of symbolism there too. I would have loved to have been there on the day when they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles. What a picture of the Holy Spirit. In the Feast of Tabernacles, they would take hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gallons of water up to the Temple Mount, which sits up above the streets of Jerusalem. And at a particular time, the priest would take all the water, spill it out, and the water would shoot out from every every opening of the temple, every portal, every gateway. So see this picture of all this water just flooding out. And Jesus is there that day. And the backdrop of when he's talking about what we're going to study now is all this water flooding out from the center of the temple, flooding out into the streets of Jerusalem, total outpouring. On the last greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Now, look at the backdrop. What's going on behind, behind him? Water, water, water. So he's comparing himself. He's going like, this water is okay, but the water that I have, you remember what he said to the woman at the well? You know, if you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. So he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. Let's stop there for a minute because look at this condition here. He said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture had said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. That doesn't happen until we believe in him, which is what? Salvation, okay? You see, it's always the same thing. So we salvation first, then the Holy Ghost. First the blood, then the? Good, you're getting it. All right, verse 39. Now, now John, the writer of the gospel, is going to explain what Jesus meant, which he didn't receive this revelation until way after Jesus had ascended into heaven. By this he, Jesus, meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. What does it mean? The blood had not yet been spilled. The blood of Jesus had not yet been shed. So they're looking forward to that promise. And what was the promise? He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers, rivers, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now, again, remember the background. All this water is flooding, but that water was natural water. It was not living water. Living water doesn't come from a bucket and a well and a river. A living water comes from within our very being, the core of who we are. You catching this? It comes out of our spirit, man, once we've been born again. 
Now, let me ask you this question. Maybe this will kind of magnify it a little bit more. How many times has it happened to you that you have the opportunity, God sets you up, puts somebody in your life that needs to hear the gospel, okay? And you start to talk, and all of a sudden, you're like, you're saying stuff that you didn't even know that you knew. How many know what I'm talking about? Scriptures are coming up. Uh, illustrations are coming up. Uh, testimonies are coming And you're like, man, I, I just, and I've heard people say this, and I've said, I could talk, I could have talked for hours. What happened? You tapped into that river of living water on the inside of you, and the Holy Ghost who loves that person and wants to see that person born again is just flowing out of you, just flowing out of you, just flowing out of you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's the river of living water. Amen? And the rest of you that are not raising your hands, I pray that you do have that experience uh, at some point. I hope it happens very soon. Because, man, when you experience that, you're like, okay, get me some more people that need to. <laughs> so, it says there in verse 39 that up until that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus being glorified refers to, and I, this is kind of repetitious at this point, his suffering, his death, his resurrection. First, the blood was to be shed, which brought us salvation. Then the oil could be applied, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The blood of Christ qualifies us for the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence in our lives. Okay? So let's put it this way. Anybody could experience Jesus, but not everybody can experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Say, we'll clarify that. I will. Every one of us, when we met Jesus, were not saved yet. We were drawn to him. We decided to believe in our hearts what we had heard or we had read, okay? And something took place in our hearts, and we responded from that place of faith. We, we confessed with our mouth what we believed in our hearts, okay? And so, so now we're born again. Now we can experience... The, not only the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, but now we could experience the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and, and sometimes that happens dramatically, and sometimes it happens very peacefully. Um, I know my wife, when, uh, when you got born again, you got born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? Wasn't it at the same time? Or no, it wasn't? No, that's right, because we got born again. I prayed with you at home. And then later on, we went to church, a church up north. And uh, at that point, you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it was a peaceful thing. Um, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was by myself at home one, one Sunday afternoon, just a few months after I had gotten born again. And I was like, God, I want everything you have for me. In fact, in a dream just the night before, I forgot about this. In the dream just the night before, in the dream, I was speaking in tongues. And I woke up and went, well, that was different. <laughs> and I knew something had happened, but then I just got by myself and just lifted my hands up and just asked God, just, I want everything you have for me. And man, it was like, bam, here it comes. And I remember one time, it's a number of years, it's at least probably five, six, seven years ago. And I don't know if you're here tonight, if that was you. There was a, a lady that I prayed for uh, right over here. And uh, this is only about, maybe, maybe this has happened about two or three times in all the years that I've been a Christian or ministering. And uh, she came up for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there were other people here, and other people were praying for them. 
And I just as soon as I put my hand on the person's forehead, it felt like we were caught up in like a whirlwind. It was the most, it was like, boom, you could just feel it. If, I, if it was something you could see in the spirit, it would be something like, like when, when Elijah got picked up in the chariot, you know. It was like, I was like, oh my gosh, this is different. Of course, you know, I was acting real cool. I didn't want her to think this was the first time. But man, she immediately, immediately began to just, you could just feel it just coming up. She immediately burst out and just started speaking in other tongues in this supernatural language. It was so cool. It was like the power of God just being, just, just surrounding this individual. It, was, it doesn't happen like that all the time, and it really doesn't matter whether it happens like that, whether a person falls down, they don't fall down, get goosebumps, no goosebumps. It has nothing to do with the outside manifestation. It has to do with you receiving the Holy Spirit by faith. And people will say, oh, Pastor, I've been waiting so many years, so many years. Well, how long did it take you to get born again? Split second? You received the same way. You received the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith, just like you received salvation by faith. You trusted in the fact that the Bible said that Jesus Christ is our Savior and our Lord, that he died on the cross for our behalf, and that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you, and you said, Jesus, I believe in you. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Bam, done deal. After that, I don't know why we make things so difficult. I don't know why we make things so difficult. Uh, it's the easiest thing in the world. Amen? So, now watch this now. Jesus, in John chapter 7, if you could go to verse 38 again. Thanks, Anthony. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So Jesus, at that point, is describing the effects of being filled with the Spirit. There's a river that gets loosed. Now, John is recording this John, who, who, who is recording this, is speaking of a time before Jesus went to the cross, before he died and was resurrected. Now, Jesus reminded disciples again, before he ascended into heaven, the importance of being filled with the Spirit, okay? Because it says there in verse 39, up to this time, no, excuse me, yeah, verse 39, by this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. New King James, I believe, says, who who they should receive. Jesus was very much in favor of the disciples receiving not just the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to keep saying this because I want everybody to have that breakthrough. Pastor, are you saying it's not enough to be born again? No, it's not. Now, what are we talking about? If you're talking about going to heaven, yes, it's enough. But if you're talking about living here on this crazy planet, it's not. And you've heard this. You've probably seen people post this on Facebook. People say, well, do you need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? You need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. <laughs> you need the Holy Spirit every day of your life. You need the Holy Ghost every time you get out of bed. So now, now in Acts chapter 1, just before Jesus is going to send it to heaven, are we getting this? Are we getting the importance of having that secondary experience? Okay. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. After his suffering, talking about Jesus, he, Jesus, presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. You remember, he showed them his hands, he showed them his side. Okay. 
He appeared to them over, 40, over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Okay, you remember before he went to the cross, he said to them, I've got many things to share with you, but you're not ready right now. Okay, do you think they listened different after they saw him come back from the dead? I would imagine everybody who was yawning when Jesus talked about this before was sitting on the edge of their seats after he rose from the dead. So he spends 40 days, again, probably reminding them of all this stuff. Verse 4 says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, so met John the Baptist, baptized with water, but in a few days, actually 10 days from that point, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He probably said, they're still at it. I'm <laughs> telling them what's important, and they still want to find out. It's like it's not enough what I'm telling you that you need. Now you've got to go. Lord, at this time, you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Now, at least they understood that that was the mission of the Messiah. Okay, they're still not understanding that this Messiah comes two times. They're still not getting it, okay? And so he says to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Verse 8, in other words, here, focus on this, but you will receive power. You receive what? They would receive what? Power. Now, for him to say you would receive power kind of insinuates they didn't have power yet. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So, he said, but you receive power. When, when are we going to receive power? When the Holy Spirit comes. I like to do it this way, up on you. Can we do that? Up on you. That's... Now, watch this now. Once Acts chapter, man, this is good. Once Acts chapter 2 happens, they, the disciples no longer have the, no longer are they looking for the Holy Spirit to come from outside. You, you see what I'm saying? Because once the Holy Spirit came to earth, he didn't come to visit. He came to stay. Okay? And the Holy Spirit lives where in the believer? In us. So that's why it's, it's more like this. If we can put it this way, look. It's up on you, not upon me. It's because where is he? The indwell, it's the indwelling Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not coming from any. The Holy Ghost is coming from within us. You listening? He's in you. Turn to somebody, say, he's in there. <laughs> now, look, let's go through it again. Verse 8, because this is important. Jesus said it was so important, he told them, don't leave Jerusalem until you've had this experience. Why? You're going to make a mess of things. You're ready for heaven, but you're not ready for earth. And man, I wish I could get this across to people. But you will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes up on you, and you will be witnesses. My witnesses, where? In Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We need this. 
And after this, look at verse 9. And after, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So no, the very last thing Jesus spoke to the disciples before he left the earth was about them receiving power. Power. Because that's what they were going to need to fulfill the mission. He said, you're going to receive power. It was all about them receiving power when the Holy Spirit comes up on them. Well, wait a second, Pastor. Did they not already have the Holy Spirit? Yes, but a different function. Okay, let's go to John chapter 20. Can anybody tell me what day John chapter 20 took place on? Easter Sunday night. Resurrection Sunday night. You there? You got it? John chapter 20. Here it is. On the evening of that first day of the week. What's the first day of the week? Don't tell me Monday. Sunday. Sunday. Sunday's the first day of the week. Okay? That's why it's important for us to... Oh, we're gonna, I'm going to stir up a whole bunch of trouble now. That's why it's important for us to start the week off by coming together. Whether it's on Saturday night or Saturday or Sunday, you start, you end one week and begin the next with Jesus. So from now on, I expect you to be in church on Saturday night and Sunday. So let's look. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders because they figured, hey, if they crucified him, we're toast. They're coming for us next. Okay? And so Jesus came and stood among them. Now, remind you, the doors are locked. It's just the disciples in there. And here comes Jesus, just appears to them. And he says to them, peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, something takes place between verse 20 and 21. They saw him. They believed in him. And what happened? They got born again. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Shalom Aleichem. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he did what? He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So what function of the Holy Spirit did they receive that night? The Holy Spirit coming within. In other words, they receive salvation, bam. Who comes, who comes inside of us? Who comes to live within us when we receive salvation? Holy Spirit. We say, Jesus, come into my heart. But again, Jesus doesn't come crack open your rib cage, climb inside. It's Jesus' spirit coming. You got this? Okay, guys. All right. So they received the Holy Spirit's presence within them for salvation. Now, John chapter 20 takes place before Acts chapter 1. So by the time we get to Acts chapter 1, they're born again. The Holy Spirit is living in them, but they have not yet experienced the Holy Spirit. Come on, everybody. Uh, don't be so, don't be so like dignified. Come on, lay, lay, up on them, okay? So this is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, let's go to John 14, 15. Maybe we'll, we'll see this clear. Because you see, I'm trying to make the point here of the different experience 
between when we receive salvation and how we interact with the Holy Spirit and the difference between when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, that's a real popular message today. Well, well, you know, God's grace is there for me. And, you know, it doesn't really matter if I do what he tells me. It doesn't really matter because God's grace is on my life and all this other stuff. Well, nobody told Jesus because Jesus said, if you love me. Yeah, I, I can see how you're all enthusiastic. If you love me, keep my commandment. And which connects that thought to the next thought. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So they knew him. Well, let me read this here, because I I got this from one Bible commentator I found uh, online that I thought really, really... Um, describe this really well. The three propositions or prepositions, with, in, and upon, describe three key dimensions of interactions of the Holy Spirit with God's people. Jesus spoke to the apostles who were with him that they knew the Holy Spirit because he dwelleth with you. In other words, it's me. It's, it's, it's me. Peter, it's me. John, it's me. The Holy Spirit's been with you. He's me. It's me. It's my spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit was with them. He was operating amongst them in Jesus. They saw the Holy Spirit in full operation in the person and the work of Jesus living with them. The Spirit was with them. But on the first Resurrection Sunday, the Spirit came to live in them permanently. When they believed Jesus as Savior, the Spirit upon them then permanently that was promised in Acts chapter 1, was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. So the spirit within was fulfilled. The promise that he made was fulfilled on Easter Sunday. The the, the spirit upon was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after Easter, 10 days after the ascension, okay? God is very precise. His calendar is very precise, okay? So... Again, we're talking about the Holy Spirit being with us because I don't want anybody here thinking, well, because I don't speak in tongues yet, because I haven't experienced that, I don't have the Holy Spirit. No, no, if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit in you. He's in there, okay? Think of it this way. We just had a, how many hours was that yesterday? It was that long? We, we had a six-hour seminar yesterday with our staff. I like to do this every once in a while. And we, we all together sat down and listened to somebody talking about, teaching about the Holy Spirit, teaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he said something that, man, just made such an impact on me. The Holy Spirit coming to indwell us, the Holy Spirit coming to live us, is to build character, the fruit of the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit upon us is to bring us power. You need both. Now, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, there's, you know, I know of people who operate very strong in the gifts of the Spirit, 
but they have no sense of love, no sense of forgiveness, no sense of just charlatans, just no character whatsoever. They did not allow the Holy Ghost to develop character on the inside of them. All they wanted was the power. You see what I'm saying? Now, there's people that they'll love you to death, slobber all over you, forgive you no matter what you do. You cut them and they'll still forgive you and, all kind, and developed all that, but didn't develop, didn't, weren't interested in getting the power. We need both. You get it? We need both. Turn to somebody and say, we need both. It's not either or, it's both, okay? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In him, in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with who? The Holy Spirit of what? Promise. Verse 14, look at this. Who is the first installment of our inheritance? Our experiences with God are not done yet. Oh, well, I got born again. That's all I care about. No, no, honey, you got born again, prepared you for heaven. That's his Holy Spirit prepares you for, for earth. But you still, you and I still don't have our glorified bodies yet. I don't want to look like this for all of eternity. Don't laugh. Unless you don't have a mirror in the house, don't laugh. <laughs> Our next experience could be the Lord coming in the air and receiving us, and we'll just get our glorified bodies in an instant. Hallelujah. Do it tonight, Jesus. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Or, or we take our last breath here on the earth, we're immediately in his presence because to be absent from the body is to be present, present in the Lord. And, and you'll, when you, by the time you get there, you'll have your glorified body. But, but to guarantee that fulfillment of that promise, we're given the Holy Spirit. He's the first installment of our inheritance. He's the guarantee, another translation says. Guarantee that we're going to have that final experience. And I don't know if this is the way it's going to be or not, but I picture it that when we get raptured, if we meet Jesus in the air, there's going to be some kind of a filter. I don't know. The only thing I could describe it, that we hit that filter, we come out on the other side, and, man, we're equipped for eternity. Glory to God. No more aches and pains. Full head of hair. <laughs> come on, everybody, that, that's deficient in that area. Full head of hair. Six-pack abs. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do it tonight, Jesus. <laughs> he is the first installment of our inheritance in regard to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Let me read you an excerpt from one of Brother Hagin's books, Brother Kenneth Hagin. I had the privilege to go to his Bible school while he was still here on the earth. The new birth and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are two separate and distinct works of the Spirit of God. The Spirit works within the believer after the new birth, here it is, to develop character. And the Spirit works upon the believer after the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower the Christian for service. For service. Just being born again doesn't equip us 
for service. Jesus promised both, the Holy Spirit within and the Holy Spirit upon, which was fulfilled at Easter. I've said that already. Acts chapter 2. Love this portion of Scripture. So, so let's, let's get the background here. Jesus dies on the cross, buried, resurrected, spends 40 days with the disciples on and off, teaching them certain things. On the 40th day, he ascends into heaven. He gives the disciples his final instructions, Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, okay? Uh, go and preach the gospel to every nation. Mark, lay hands on the sick, they'll recover, cast out devils, speak with new tongues. He gives all the last final instructions to the church, to the disciples, okay? Ten days later, now mind you, mind you, just before he leaves, he says to them, do not leave Jerusalem. We could say it this way, look at me. Don't leave headquarters yet. You're not ready. You're not ready. Ten days later, Feast of Pentecost. The feast, literally, the feast of 50, 50 days, okay? And when they at Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared, let me stop there. On Easter Sunday night, when the, Jesus came and appeared in that room with the disciples, and it said they were glad when they saw him. They saw his hands. They saw his side. They realized it was him. They placed their faith in him as Lord. What's the very next thing that Jesus did? He what? Breathed on them. <sighs> so they got born again. But now, 50 days later, what's happening? He breathed on them, and all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost shows up. It's a tornado. It's like, when you're born again, it's usually a private experience. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's public. God was going to make sure that everybody in Jerusalem knew what was going on that day. I'll prove it to you. Okay. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, as of fire. It didn't say it was fire, as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. In other words, it was visible that something was coming on them. It was visible. I've seen it happen with people where they start to glow. Their faces, their countenance changes. You could see it on them. Okay. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of them? By the way, how many were there? 120, 120, 120. Who, who's among them 120? Mary, Mary, that blew my mind. Coming out of Catholicism, coming, I read, wait, Mary was there too? Mary spoke in tongues? Oh, yeah. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to do what? Speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or the ability. Okay? This is the supernatural experience that every one of us are supposed to have. Now, you might not have a whirlwind come in your house. You might not see 
of fire. But you know when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I'm saying this, not, not if you haven't experienced it yet, I'm not, I'm not rubbing it in your face. I'm trying to incentivize you. Being born again is wonderful. It's fantastic. No, thank God for the salvation experience. But man, when you know that you tapped into the power of God, it's a whole different ballgame. So verse 5, let's see how the crowd responds. I like this part. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem. Remember, this is the day of Pentecost. On Pentecost, Jews from all over the Roman Empire, all over the Middle East, wherever they're at, Egypt, all over, had to come to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. The Roman historian, who was actually a Jew, Josephus, says that during Passover time, there could be anywhere from a million to two million people in Jerusalem. And God puts this spectacular show on in front of all these people. Everybody's hearing about it. So there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, when the what? When the what? The sound, not, not when the fire, the sound occurred. The multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them, the disciples, 120, speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled and said to, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? We would say it this way today. Ain't these guys a bunch of hicks? <laughs> Seriously, in context, they considered people from the Galilee region to be uneducated, like backwards. Hicks, okay? Or maybe we would say here today, pineys. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. So they all said to one another, verse 8, how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those are people that come from Persia, modern-day Iran, Iraq, uh, northern, I guess, northern Syria going into Turkey, okay? Those dwelling in, there it is, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, in other words, they're, 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 we're from here, from local, which would have spoke Aramaic or Hebrew, and then from Cappadocia, from Pontus, from Asia, modern-day Turkey. Phrygia and Pamphylia, also in that area. Egypt and parts of, now we got North Africa. Egypt's and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, they're all coming all the way from the capital. Both Jews and proselytes, people that were not blood-born Jews but had converted to Judaism, they're there too. Cretans, people from Crete, Greeks, and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed and saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Okay, now watch this now. Look at verse 13, because I want to, I don't, I rarely teach on this, but I want to tonight. Look at verse 13. Others mocking said they are full of new wine. What does that mean? Ah, they're all drunk. They're all drunk. Now, I'm going to show you something. But Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Man, Peter's a different person now. He's bold. He's not foot and mouth Peter anymore. He's not betraying Jesus and hiding and, and saying he never met him. He's bold, right? There's 
hundreds of thousands of people. You getting this? Verse 15, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I want to stop there. Now, let me ask you this question. I've used this example before. How many have ever been gone to the airport maybe to pick somebody up or drop somebody off? Let me see your hand. Okay. Um, if you're at an international airport, you're going to have people come from all over the world, right? If you pass somebody when they're coming off the plane and you're going towards and they're passing you and you hear them talk in another language that you don't understand, do you assume that they're drunk? Of course not. Why? They're just speaking a different language. If you were to go to, let's say, a supermarket in an area where there's a lot of diversity of different ethnic groups and you're walking through the aisles and you hear this one talking Arabic and another person talking Spanish and another person talking whatever, you fill in the blanks. Do you say to yourself, that person's drunk? No. Why? Because they're just speaking a different language. So what I want to propose to you is that they did not just observe the disciples speaking in different languages. They observed manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Because there are times, that doesn't happen always, I wish it did. There are times when the Holy Spirit can come upon an individual or a group of people, and they'll start laughing. And, it, you, you, and we've had it. You have one side of the room is laughing hysterical. The other side of the room is crying. You have people get up out of their seats and run around the room. You have people falling down under the power of God. I'm telling you, that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't just hearing them speak in a different language because, again, I submit to you if, you, if I stood up here tonight and began to speak in, uh, in Sicilian, which I'm pretty fluent in, you wouldn't stay in there. You wouldn't go home tonight and say, man, Pastor Joe was drunk. <laughs> right? But if the power of God hit and I could just about stand up and I'm falling down on the platform and, and, and I'm laughing hysterically and then maybe Pastor Tom tries to come up and, and, and as soon as he touches my hand, he gets hit with the same thing and now he starts laughing hysterical and then it hits my wife and then from there, it goes to Joe Corelli. And from there, it goes to, now, now we got something different going on. Say, say well, what, what is that? Because I question this. When I first saw these manifestations, I'm like, oh, no, I don't know about this thing. I'll never forget. I was only born again a couple of months. And somebody, a guy came uh, from, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, from the Tulsa region, came to the little church that I was in here uh, in Brick where I got born again. In fact, he just home, went home to be with the Lord just uh, maybe a year or two ago. This guy, this kind of stuff happened every time he went somewhere. Now, Fran, you, you're from there now. Do you remember a man named Joe Jordan? You remember. He was from Sepulpa. He had a church in Sepulpa. I'm, I'm referring to this couple because they just arrived from Tulsa, 2.30 this morning, and they're sitting in church tonight. So... Make, make sure you say hello to that's Fran and Miguel. So, so Joe Jordan comes here, and Pastor Joy would remember because it was in those early days. And, and the church that we were in at that time had two separate buildings. Okay, the sanctuary was one building, and then there was like a courtyard, and then there was offices and classrooms in another building. This guy comes. He stands up and starts ministering to people. I swear before he's here. And people are laughing and falling down and crying, and people are, people are plastered to the wall and can't move. 
And I got up real nice and calm and dignified, and I went, oh, no, I don't want none of this. <laughs> no, homie, don't play this game. <laughs> so I went outside and stood by the windows and watched everything that was going on. And so uh, because I didn't understand it, I shied away from it for many years after that until we got to Tulsa when we went to Bible school. <laughs> and then we saw this happen and, and happen uh, if Pastor Cap was in here, I would remind him of one, uh, one a meeting that we were in. Brother Hagan was there, and uh, the Holy Spirit hit that place. Now, you got 8,000 people in the room, and the Holy Ghost hit that place. I don't know what happened. He ended up under one pew. I ended up under another pew. Power of God. Power of God. I'm telling you. Say, well, what is the purpose of that? Well, I found out later many years. Thank God for God raising up somebody who could explain it accurately. See, don't be afraid of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Because the manifestations of the Holy Spirit come and act like an anesthesia. Now, let me ask you a question. How many like to go to dentists and get worked on you without having any Novocaine? No gas? No, because if that's you, I want to pray for you because you are a, a, a masochist, sadist, if you enjoy, enjoy that kind of pain. So what happens? Many times, many, not always, but many times, you see people at, in, in meetings like that that had such horrible heartache, had gone through such tremendous pain, betrayal, trauma, and all of a sudden they get hit with the Holy Ghost. They go out under the power of God, okay? Uh, they're laughing, they're crying, and then get up and realize, oh, something changed. Now, how painful would it be to have to confront these things in your own, with, your own, with your soul, in your senses? But the mercy of God, the compassion of God will come and just hit somebody supernaturally. Anesthesia gets in there while they're laughing, he's working. While they're crying in joy, he's in there tweaking things. He's removing the hurts. He's taking out the poison. He's healing the trauma. And they get up and they're a different person. Hallelujah. Stand up, everybody. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up to the Lord. Say, oh, I've never done this before. First time for everything. Father, in the name of Jesus, we reverence you, God. Father, we reverence the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us. And right now, Lord, just do what you like to do here tonight. Holy Ghost, move, move, move among us. Holy Spirit, come to bring the healing. Come to bring wholeness. Come and bring joy. 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 For your joy is our strength, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless you, God. We bless you. We bless you. 
We praise you. We honor you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Now, those of you that never received before, step right in. Step right in. Open up your mouth by faith and say, Holy Spirit, come, just, just rise up in me. Rise up in me. Rise up in me. Rise up in me. Just jump on in. Just jump on in. Just jump on in. Come on in. The water's fine. The water's fine. Ha, ha, ha. Lambrasso. Yambreke. Ha, da, ma, so, breke, and denche. Eat a brown, da, di, ma, kia, sopra. Ala, bra, Let it go. Let it go. Let it rip. Let it rip. Abako, you say. Yambrakata, kashata. Lambrando, so, brake. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Devil, we laugh in your face. Ha, ha, ha. Holy Spirit of God. The fullness. The fullness. The fullness. Overflowing. Overflowing. Overflowing like never before. Overflowing. Bam bam do zoro bokoshe. Yeta katama sholaka. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, come on, let's rejoice in him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. That's that, it's that easy. It's, 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 it's that easy. Ha, the makos at their bread. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit of God, I pray in the name of Jesus that those that have the faith that stepped in tonight and experienced just a little, Lord, I pray that you open that spigot up. I pray that rivers of living water would flow from us in the name of Jesus. That that one that that one that maybe spoke one or two syllables, halabashoma, halabashoma, halabashoma.
Hallelujah. 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 Yeah, I pray that you guys get it back there. I pray that you guys get it back there. Hallelujah. I thought you were going. Just sit over there. I, 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 thought, I thought she was going to face plant. Hallelujah. Now say this with me, please. Thank God. For the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the power of God. It's mine. It belongs to me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Say this with me. I got a river of life that flows out of me. And it makes the lame to walk. And the blind to see. Hallelujah. You see what you started? Glory to God. Glory to God. Now listen, some of you experienced some things tonight you never experienced before. Don't let go. And listen, listen. Don't be stupid like me in my younger days. Don't say, well, I don't, know. I don't want any of this. Oh, no, no. Jesus said you should receive the Holy Spirit. It's for, he's for your good. He's for my good. Amen. Now, some of you got some things tonight deposited. Listen, 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 listen. Some of you got something because in this atmosphere, you catch stuff. You catch anointings. You catch deposits of grace. You catch, you catch. So listen to me. Maybe some of you are going to be like me. You're going to go home. You're going to get off by yourself. You're going to go, oh, God, I don't know what happened tonight, but I feel like something dropped inside me. And just get off by yourself, lift up your hands, open up your mouth, and let the syllables. To open your mouth. I pray that that's the experience that you have. You wake up tomorrow morning a different person. Filled with the Holy Ghost, not just indwelling, not just going to heaven. See, see, just going to heaven could be selfish. We're supposed to touch people while we're here on the earth before we get to heaven. You listening? Don't be selfish. Say, Lord, doesn't I don't understand it, but, but look, if it's from you, I want it. I want it. I want it. Say this with me: Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. over my life. I've placed my faith in him. He's my savior. He's my Lord. I want everything that he died for. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stepping into a new thing. Stepping into a new season. Stepping into new manifestations, stepping into new levels of glory, stepping in, stepping in, stepping in. I want to go. How about you? Yes. Stepping in. Stepping in. Say it. Say, I'm stepping in. I'm going higher. In Jesus' name. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. God bless you. We're done.